Welcome to Video Worship from the Unitarian Church of Los Alamos. Whoever you are, whomever you love, wherever you are right now, wherever you are on your life's journey, you are welcome to be part of our community. Here we are in our circle again, a circle of vision and reflection, a forum for deciding and empowering. Here we are at the base of another bridge, another space spanning the shores of today and tomorrow, beckoning us to cross the chasm one day at a time. Here we are gathered again at the cusp of the future, at the boundary that holds community together. We are here in a circle of love and trust brought into this moment by a series of choices and promises, by hope and gratitude, by our own shadows faced and befriended, with a servant's heart, with a leader's listening, with a parent's love truer than all our inner trembling. Let us model the health we seek for all and lean into community somewhere out there all we dream is possible. Somewhere in here, we are sowing the seeds. Come.
Let us worship together. Love is the doctrine of this church, the quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve life in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony, thus do we covenant with each and with all. Candles have been lit this week for Colleen Hemming, who passed away from cancer last week and for Nellie Snell, the sister of Mia McLeod, who died last week from COVID-19. For all our joys and all our sorrows, whether we share them with this community or we hold them close to our hearts, let us be with one another in a moment of silence. Please join with me now in a spirit of prayer and reflection. Eternal and beloved, gracious source of all life and all love, we come together this morning grateful for the time out of time that we have set apart so that we might become more fully present to our own selves, 
to our communities and to that which we call holy. May our joys be celebrated together, our wounds be healed together, our hearts be opened together. Let us celebrate the diverse ways in which we experience our connections with one another and with the web of all creation. May we also grow in appreciation for the ways in which others experience those connections. And may we come to understand more fully that there is more that binds humanity together than there is that separates us. May this growing understanding help us to do that which is required of us. Welcome in the stranger, love our enemies, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly in the presence of all creation. May we find the strength and compassion to reach out to all those who cannot yet speak their needs. Let us hold one another in the embrace of this community. May our time together strengthen our connections and give us hope and strength until we can be in one another's presence again. All this we pray in the names of those known and unknown, present and absent, remembered and forgotten, in the names of all the helpers of humankind. Amen. There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. I'm going to keep on till Imagine with me that you're going along a trail in the woods and you come across a steep canyon with a river rushing at the bottom. Probably not too hard to imagine around these parts. Now there's only one way to get across this canyon. You see a bridge 
and it's made of grass. What questions would be running through your mind before you set foot on that grass bridge? What I would want to know more than anything else is if the people who made the bridge also walked across it and whether or not they still use it. Of course, we don't have bridges made of grass in New Mexico, but many were built for hundreds of years in South America by the Inca people, and I think there are still a few that exist today. Now, here's how they did it. First, they made a fresh bridge once every year. On the appointed day, everyone in the village would gather to begin work. Each person had a special role to play in building the bridge. There were people who gathered the grass, and then other people who took that grass and twisted it into long ropes. And then there were people who would take those ropes and weave them into thick braids. And then those braids were twisted by other people into long cables as thick as my arm or thicker. Certain people strung the cables across the gorge and pulled them nice and tight. And finally, there were riggers who would lash the cables together in such a way as to create a, a footbed to walk on and rails on each side to hold. And each person did their part as best they could, and they relied on everyone else to do their part as well, because every one of them needed that bridge to safely carry them across the river whenever they needed to go that way. Now, I tell you about grass bridges today for two reasons. First, it reminds us of how important each of our small parts is when it is part of something big and strong and even miraculous as a bridge made out of grass. Now, I have to say, I think it's pretty miraculous that a bridge could be made of grass. And these bridges could span 60 feet or more. And they could hold five people at a time and llamas too. And secondly, we in this congregation and the way our congregation acts in our bigger community, we might not be building a bridge across a raving, raging river, but we are building our way toward a future, towards a vision of a better world, of a community that is one in all its diversity. I want to walk that way. I hope many of you will walk that way too. And if I'm going to walk that way, I want to walk a way that feels sure and strong and safe. A way that I know has been built with everyone doing their part as best they can. So may we all build that way together, like the Inca grass bridge builders.
Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans, and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promise to glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? 
We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze-pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West. We will rise from the wind-swept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. We will rebuild reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid the new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Hello, UU family. I'm going to sing a song with you called Shine On Me. It's an amazing spiritual that anybody can sing. And in these days when the things that we're dealing with, the feeling separate and all of that, and things seem so hard, this is one of those songs that you just throw your head back, put it in your medicine kit. All you have to do is ask. And here's how it goes. Shine on me, oh, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me, oh, shine on me. Yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Lift me up, only lift me up. Let the light from the lighthouse lift me up. Oh, lift me up, yes, lift me up. Let the light from the lighthouse lift me up. Oh, hold, hold me close, yes, hold me close. 
Let the love from the lighthouse hold me close. Yes, hold me close. So hold me close. Let the light from the lighthouse please hold me close. So shine on me. Yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Oh, shine on me. Yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine All you have to do is just ask. The light is always there. Always. Always. Oh, yeah. This past Tuesday morning, I woke up to find that one of my oldest friends had uh, sent me by Facebook Messenger a link to a video on YouTube from Les Miserables, the singing of the anthem, One Day More. <laughs> Too soon, he asked. Not soon enough, I said. And sure enough, as the day progressed, more and more of my friends, for I have so many drama nerds in my friend feed, had posted some variation of the song, joyful that a change was about to happen in our country. And friends, I have to admit to you, I was not feeling it. I have been approaching the date of January 20th with far more trepidation than elation. I have just not been ready for hope yet. Now, I've been trying to understand just why it is I was so hard to come to some hope and joy. And then that same day, I scrolled across a tweet from Imani Gandhi, where she talked about the last four years being a traumatizing nightmare for her and that she might have to cry just because of that, because it was over. And I realized that's exactly where I was. These last four years, ministry and pastoral work has felt far more like I have been running a trauma center for you and for my own self than running some sort of a retreat for our spiritual growth. Because let's be honest, it is hard to grow spiritually, hard to grow a soul and be more human when every week is just a new trauma and a new outrage needing triage and emergency care. We have all endured and I have felt deeply four years of a world where truth doesn't seem to matter 
where integrity certainly didn't matter, where verbal abuse was hurled at an entire nation, where we have grown into a rising culture of cruelty. The last four years, friends, I will be honest, has been an extreme test of my faith, day after day after day. And there were many, many days where I was frequently on the razor's edge of flunking that test outright. The question that kept me up night after night is what use is my universalist faith? What use is a faith that says we are all saved or none of us are saved, that we are all worthy? What use is a faith like that in the face of so much unforgivable, destructive hatred? And then two weeks ago, we watched in real time the inevitable and unsurprising violence that arose as people stormed the Capitol and people died because of it. As four years of verbal abuse transformed finally into physical battery. And then almost immediately came the demands for a unity without any accountability whatsoever. Friends, I went over the edge and I've been over the edge these last two weeks because I have been in a position in my life on numerous occasions where I have been hurt by institutions that I love. And when I ask for accountability, I am demanded to give forgiveness on the one hand, while at the same time, those same mouths deny having done anything that needs forgiving in the first place. Friends, I have been triggered all week. I finally just fell down a well of my own anger and despair. So yeah, it was hard to get excited or hopeful about an inauguration. But I watched. And as the pageantry of a peaceful transfer of power finally began, I found my eyes getting a little weepy. And then Amanda Gorman stood up to recite her inaugural poem. And the tears started flowing even faster. And by the end of that recitation, folks, I was ugly crying in my living room. Something in those five minutes broke me down and broke my heart open. I mean, first, first and foremost, there was art happening in front of me, and God, how I have missed that this last year especially. But on top of that, there, there was art happening in front of me on a national platform, a piece of our national soul that I thought had been excised was being restored right in front of me. And the message contained within that poem, a poem that had still been unfinished at the time of the Capitol's insurrection. Amanda Gorman had a challenge in front of her to somehow offer hope to an entire country, somehow without falling back on empty platitude. Now, maybe I should just say she nailed it, and I think you might all agree. And I was tempted that day to just say, I'm going to play that video, and that is it. That is our worship for the week, because she took me to church. I don't know about you. 
but I've been living in these words for the rest of this week now and trying to understand what it is that transformed within me in the midst of all my anger and despair. And what I'm finding is that Gorman's message, both implicit and explicit in her words, points in the direction of hope. Yes, real hope. And I know it's a real hope because she, what she describes is something that is not easily grasped onto, but that requires our willing participation and a recommitment to ideals that we thought were being buried in front of our eyes. In her poem, she calls back to the words of Maya Angelou and the words of Elizabeth Alexander in their previous inaugural poems. And the process acknowledges that she, like all of us, is not alone in the work ahead of us, but that she is building as we are on work that has been taken up by so many before, for years, for centuries. And then... Moments after Biden names white supremacy as one of the threats facing us as a nation, the first time a president has said that out loud at that platform, she reads this. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it. Now, it is momentous to have a president speaking to our minds, naming white supremacy as the harmful force it is and always has been a defining force in our history. And then to have it minutes later reiterated in art, reinforcing that truth for the sake of our own souls. Naming white supremacy as a force that would rather shatter than share. A destructive idea bigger than any one person who might act upon it. But in spite of that force, she tells us, democracy may have been delayed, but cannot be defeated. Somehow, she reads, we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. And here, here is where my heart breaks open because there in plain language was the idea I knew in my head all along. I knew that our story as a nation is one of expansion of an ideal to all people step by hard fought step. That our work as Americans is to make true an ideal of freedom that still lives only as unfulfilled promise. I knew this was the truth. I've preached it on countless July 4ths. But over the last four years, my heart in all its anger and in all its hurt could not admit that truth. In all of these endless moments of anguish, I could not allow that truth into my heart. But what to do with the knowledge now in the face of all that had happened that still had not been reckoned with? What to do now that I was understanding again the truth I had always known. Being American is more than a pride we inherit, she says. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be a country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation, our blunders become their burdens. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with. 
after I'd sat with her words and cried myself out as much as I could, my immediate response to myself in my own soul was, get over yourself already. Your pain is nothing compared to the pains others have been through throughout our history. Get up. There is work to do. And then I let myself have that moment and step back for a second and did something that I have a hard time doing. I listened to my own pastoral advice. I let myself acknowledge that despite what others have been through, what I am feeling is still very real. All of that rage and that pain that I've been struggling with, all that internal struggle is real and is still ongoing. That crisis of faith I have been experienced day after day for the last four years is very, very real and still needs addressing something. Something was still breaking open in me, but what was it? And then I scrolled across a tweet from Saladin Ahmed, an Arab-American author of fantasy novels and comics, one of my favorite writers. Division isn't the problem, he writes. How can unity be the solution? And I started into a growing understanding. See, we have been steeped in a narrative of division for decades. Us versus them, red versus blue, conservative versus liberal, evangelical versus atheist, as if we are in a perpetual war with another team of people. And I'm coming to understand, even as I struggle with these calls for unaccountable unity that drive me crazy, it is our addiction, all of our addiction, to this division narrative that is grinding me down even more day after day. See, we named this week, we heard a president name, white supremacy, as a force that would rather shatter than share. And in understanding it more as a force than as people, I find myself needing to step back more and more from the talk of division because ultimately we are not engaged in a war against other people. We are, as Americans, all of us engaged in a practice of exorcism, exorcism of a demon that has harmed us and hindered us from growing into the promise of our ideals. We are in the process of ridding ourselves of the demon of white supremacy that has held us back unfinished as a nation. This exorcism, this is, this is the real work ahead of us. This is how we, as Amanda Gorman writes, repair the past, how we leave behind a country better than we found it. But where do we begin? We begin as doing, by doing what President Biden did himself Wednesday morning. We name the destructive force. That was a powerful moment in his speech, a huge first for our nation. We need to be able to say, each one of us individually, that white supremacy is a force that needs to be expunged from our souls. And that is scary to some. You witness the defensive responses from some people who took that call out of white supremacy personally, and you can see just how frightening that is. But ultimately, we cannot defeat what we cannot name. So we must name it. And when we have named it, then, then we surround it. We surround it with our love. 
with our better angels. As my friends at the Unitarian Universalist Christian Fellowship say, we need to love the hell out of this world. And just as I was thinking of that again, this tweet comes across my feed this week. MAGA hats, we're coming for you. We better believe we're coming for you. There are 70 million of you, and we will not stop until you are taken care of. We want health care for you. We want education for you. We want to pay you what you're worth. Love is relentless. Now, I have no idea if Sandy Lee is a Unitarian Universalist or if she has any sort of a Universalist theology or any theology at all, but that that she is expressing there, that is the heart of a practical, boots-on-the-ground, universalist theology. And that is the heart of my faith. The faith that has been in crisis so many days. Now, I'm not going to tell you that my crisis of faith is over. I've still got a long way to go, but in the last few days, sparked on by the words of a young woman the same age as my own son and the words of others who have grasped on to that message. I will say that a rope has been tossed down into the deep well I have found myself in lately. I know that my pain and my rage are real, but I know they're not forever. And I know finally, finally, that the work of my faith still matters. I will eventually come through my own dark moment, as will our nation come through its dark moment. Not broken, but simply unfinished. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Maybe so. Just one announcement before we close today's video service. Next week is going to be my annual question box sermon, a chance for you to ask your questions of me of whatever kind you may be feeling compelled to ask. Now, normally we would do this in person and you would write your questions that morning and drop them into a box and I would just pick them at random and answer them on the spot. But of course we can't do it that way. So I'm asking you to send me your questions ahead of time this week. Please email your questions for my question box sermon to my email address here at the church, revjohn at uulosalamos.org. And in your subject line, write the phrase, question for the box. 
and do that in all caps even if you don't mind. That will help me find those emails fast enough to make sure I get them all together. Now, I'm not going to be able to answer every question that comes my way because, of course, I'm expecting a flood of questions more than I could possibly answer in one service, but I will save some of those questions unanswered during next week's video to answer maybe at length in our virtual fellowship hall on Facebook. I do hope you will participate. I'm looking forward to your questions, and we'll see you next week. Our offering for the month of January is taken up for the Esperanza Shelter in Santa Fe. Since 1975, Esperanza Shelter has been providing shelter and support to those threatened by domestic violence and encouraging healthy relationships in the community in Santa Fe and the eight northern pueblos. 100% of all monies collected this month will be given to the shelter. Use your Givelify app on your mobile device, or use the link in the service notes below to make your donation. Thank you for your generosity. May what you give bring you joy and into deeper relationship with your community.
Friends, may life bless us and keep us. May the light of life shine upon us and out from within us and be gracious to us and bring us peace. For this is the day. This is the one wild and precious life we have been given. So let us all find a way to rejoice and be glad in it. Go in peace.